Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. What a week. And if I could pull on my Minnesota Roots Awards, Holy Hannah would come in and we describe what's going on in this cattle market this week. Hogs as well. But more importantly, we're going to take a look as well what's happening on the grain side of it. We know that we ended the week on the higher side for them as well. But looking at some of the different things, we got an OPEC meeting. We got the debt ceiling talked about. We've had some condition reports, the first ones coming in, official ones of how this crop is doing in this year's growing season. And then lo and behold, on Friday morning, the markets went, oh, in Chicago, there is some weather issues out there. We're going to find out all the details coming up on this week's episode. Imagine a future fueled by soy-based possibilities. A future where creativity and productivity live together under one roof. A future that takes you from point A to point B to point Z, all while ensuring brighter tomorrows for our next generation. A soy-based future? It's already here. So welcome back once again. As you can see, I'm being joined this week by Kyle Bumstead, Kyle with Allendale, and Sue Martin. Sue, of course, is Ag and Investment. And I kind of want to start out with this whole weather thing because I unfortunately have not gotten any rain in any of this movement coming across. And there's been a lot of farmers in the Western and even parts of the Eastern Corn Belt that are in the same boat. Having said that, did it surprise you? I'm going to ask both of you the same question. And I think uh, it's going to jump to you first, Sue. Does it surprise you? that the market took until this past Friday to say, yeah, there might be an issue out there. Well, I think we've been hearing talk for some time here for the last few weeks that the rains um, weren't sufficient enough in the Eastern Corn Belt and clients traveling all the way well into Ohio were telling us it was getting pretty dry. They noticed it. Um, I think that also the weather services that we follow, we have um, four that we follow and two of them very religiously. And what's interesting is those two are kind of melding the same way, but they're also talking rains for the Western Corn Belt to start next week around the 6th. And um, they've talked this for some time that we would be warmer through May, drier, get into June, and we start picking up some rain, which would be actually ideal. However, the uh, other side of that coin was they said that this dryness would push more eastward into the Eastern Corn Belt and on up into the Northeast. Well, ironically, that is also what the NOAA showed in their drought monitor. So we'll take one step at a time, but if, if the Eastern Corn Belt turns dry, I think it is gonna have some underpinning of support into this market. However, it's only June 2nd. How often do you uh, kill a crop on June 2nd? I hope this is not the year, Sue. Uh, I hope not either. Kyle, for you, you live this you live this every day um, with the dryness and the way this weather has been in, in the part of the panhandle that you live. What are you feeling, hearing from your customers as well and clients when they talk about this weather and a sudden weather-related market that we all knew was happening? So far, it's what cloud are you under and what time and what part of the field did that rain fall? Uh, I talked to some folks in West Central Iowa uh, a couple of days ago, no rain in their forecast, nothing, 90 plus degree temps for the next couple of weeks. Then I get a text uh, from a client in West Central Iowa, 
oh, by the way, I got an inch and a half to two inches of rain on about half of my farms and they didn't get anything if you go either side of me X amount of miles. So I think it's uh, what cloud are you under? But uh, we still have some issues here um, when it comes to rain. We're going to need timely rains and need uh, some sizable rains uh, enough to make a difference because we don't have a lot of subsoil moisture here. And when you move, move further east, there's not a lot of subsoil in western and, and north central Iowa either. And south central Iowa, they're they're getting deficit as well, too, as far as subsoil moisture. So I think it's imperative that if we're going to get rains, we need to see them very timely in order to keep this crop going. And again, like Sue said, it's June 2nd. How often do we kill a crop on June 2nd? In fact, you want to kind of dry this time of year so the crop roots down good. But I think as we get towards the, the middle of June, that's going to be the telltale. I really think that uh, Juneteenth, as we go home uh, that weekend, that's going to be a tell for the for the weather that weekend. How we come out of that weekend will probably set the tone for quite a while uh, in this in this market. And, you know, the, the markets didn't have just agricultural items to focus on. Um, they had global issues going on. They had... Uh, in-country issues going on, uh, debt ceiling, OPEC meeting, kind of how do you see that filtering in to the way we saw a higher trade this week? Well, I think that it relieved a lot of uh, investor investment money. It, it kind of relieved their, when, once we got this debt ceiling thing passed, that you know everybody kind of breathes a sigh of relief here. The uh, stock market took off, the dollar is up about 450 points today. You know, the, the gold market is down, the, the metal markets are down. So I think that they're going back into the dollar uh, as kind of an investment there and taking their money out of uh, like the precious metals that they've gone to for a flight to safety. So I think once we got this debt ceiling thing kind of worked through here, then that kind of, you know, ease the pressure on some of this investment uh, money. Sue, for you, how do you see this all outside market influences like the OPEC meeting and the debt ceiling weighing in on the trade? Well, I think the debt ceiling the the media really pushed it that it was being pushed down you know and the fear that it wouldn't go through um but quite honestly when have we not let it go through it it seems to happen and um in the meantime you know this weekend on uh, sunday i believe it is we have opec meeting and russia will be there and um you know will they elect to lower their production again? You know, the last time they did, but prices haven't rallied that much. So um, we'll see what happens. But, you know, the price of gasoline in the U.S. is pretty reasonable. And mm -hmm. we're going into our key season of driving. The one thing I will note is China and India both bought record amounts of uh, crude oil from Russia here through the month of May. Looking at that and, and, and Russia and everything that's been going on with them, how much influence weight can they push on this OPEC meeting and how much influence are they going to play? As uh, Kyle was talking earlier, uh, the blocking of the Black Sea deal again. Well, the Black Sea is being blocked, but and also one thing, uh, the UN is trying to talk Ukraine into allowing uh, natural gas, or not natural gas, but ammonia to flow through the country. Uh, which is a Russian pipeline. And I don't know if I was Zelensky, I'd agree with that, but uh, they are trying to talk them into that as they try to calm the, the emotions of this situation. But um, the bottom line is uh, things are getting pretty tenuous in Russia. And so there's a lot of pressure, I think, on Putin. Um, my understanding is people are having to work on Saturdays now 
and they have to give the income off of their uh, jobs for Saturday work to the government. So that doesn't make it feel warm and fuzzy in that country. And I think there's a lot of uh, unhappiness over the war. And um, so I don't know, we'll see what happens with that situation. But um, all in all, I think that uh, when you look at China and India importing, in fact, from January to the uh, end of May, uh, you know, I think, um, I think China imported, don't hold me to this, but I want to say around 6 million um, um, metric tons of, of blue barrels. Uh, that doesn't sound right. I haven't got it quite right. But um, the number was like 6 million uh, blue barrels. Maybe that's what they imported. And India imported 8.63. So they still, uh, both of them imported major amounts. What that speaks to is, to me, is that China's economy they're getting ready for it to start percolating a little bit or they wouldn't need as much crude oil. And that's for those factories to start running, but they've got to get that young generation that's been locked down for three years uh, up and going again. And so that's their problem, but it's the US's problem too, you know, trying to get people to work. And so um, this will work itself out in time, but it also speaks to probably the last half of the year demand out of China being very good but China's been a huge buyer of soybeans out of Brazil. In fact, just yesterday, they bought 13 cargoes of beans, three for, um, uh, I believe, August, and the other 10 for July shipment. Got to look at the excitement that's been building. Uh, Kyle, this cattle market, what a way to end the week and to start out the month of June to see such high cash happening on a Thursday. And I think it kind of took the market maybe by a bit of surprise. Yeah, it did take the market by surprise. We started out with bids early in the week of 171 to 172 in Kansas and Texas, and we finished the day. I just saw some 181 trading in Kansas here before we started recording. So uh, quite a jump here. Um, it, it, it looks good. The charts look good. It is very strong. Uh, the non-commercials have a large, uh, large amount of length here in uh, the live cattle complex. But something feels just a little bit like it's too good to be true, like Maybe we're getting close to the top in cash here for a little while, maybe. And it just jumped really fast this week. That's the question that I have. So once we get through uh, the next week, this next week here, we're going to be kind of getting our purchases bought up here for the 4th of July. And uh, that might have some demand issues here once we get that done. Uh, looking at the, <clears throat> looking, I was reading an article, there's a little over a trillion dollars of consumer debt on credit cards right now. So that's still something here. I know we have less numbers coming down the horizon. I know our weights have been going down. Corn has been going down. The feeder cattle market's been on fire. A 950 pound steer is going to cost you $2,100 before you get it laid into the feed yard somewhere. And the, the live cattle complex made historic highs, both cash and the future side of things. But I do feel that there is a correction right around the corner here, and I don't think we've seen the lows yet for the summer cash. That makes it interesting. It'll be interesting to see where this trade goes as, as we all move forward into the next uh, couple of weeks. Thank you so much, you guys, for joining us this week as we take a look at what's been a kind of a crazy start to the month of June. It's been active. That it has. Thanks so much. Sue Martin's been joining us along with Kyle Bumstead. And we want to remind folks that commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. Let's see what Mother Nature brings us. Hopefully you're going to get some much needed weather. And as we say that, if you have a few minutes, stop in and check on your area of farmers and ranchers. Make sure they're doing okay. 
in this crazy whirlwind right now. That's been this week's Soybean Board Weekly Market Update.